Welcome to Political Coffee, your one-hour thought-provoking news and commentary as you begin your day. And now, here's your host, Jeff Croft. Wow. So this is uh, an interesting, interesting development, folks. Hey, welcome to Political Coffee. What am I talking about? Well, pretty obvious. When you have a jury that says Antifa isn't real. And in fact, when you have a jury whose defense lawyer says she is Antifa. And that jury says, yeah, you know, these folks beat up Andy No, you know, the gay conservative journalist. They beat him up, physically assaulted him, because they weren't charged. But hey, you know what? He really didn't suffer emotional distress. He really didn't suffer any real physical injuries. The lawyer, Michelle Burroughs, in this case yesterday, this was a case in Multnomah County. Now, there's a reason I'm talking about this, and we'll get to it. We're also going to talk to Mark Thielman at the bottom of the hour, because last night at the political coffee clutch, the honky talk. Thanks again, uh, Diana, for making your great facility available to us and Oregon People's Vote. Mark Thielman last night spoke about the latest developments in his federal lawsuit. And it's going to be amazing what you're going to hear. Because there are nuances of this thing that really, really do matter in the future. For everything we care about, everything you and I care about. But listen, think about it. When you have a jury in Portland that says these two people who physically assaulted, I mean, they're on film, folks, doing this, are not liable in a civil lawsuit for assaulting. What does that show you? What does that tell you about the future of Portland? Yeah, they may have voted by 80%. They did. 82% to reject a new income tax on just the wealthy. To pay for defense lawyers, for people who are deadbeats getting evicted from homes. Yeah, they may have rejected that. And we thought that that was a... Turning of the worm, if you will. Well, apparently it isn't. Now, there is a little bit something good here. The jury did not find the two defendants guilty. Is Andy No, the journalist assaulted, sued them in, for civil damage? They did win a settlement with one of the individual defendants. 
And they also won default judgments against three defendants who just chose not to show up for court. Harmeet Dillon was the lawyer, Center for American Liberty. You see her on Fox and other places. She ran against Ronna McDaniel as RNC chair, along with Mike Lindell. She says they're evaluating the next steps in the case. But hear this, she says, I will not stand idly by while violent criminals seek to silence American journalists. This is but one stop in a long journey. Now, look, folks, first of all, why are these people that who are obviously committed this assault? Why are they not in jail? They ought to be. Why did Andy Ngo have to sue them civilly? Well, it's because George Soros-funded leftist Multnomah County DA just wasn't going to prosecute him. Now, again, there's another part of this story, too. Here's what it is. Another Antifa rioter stabbed a black conservative journalist with a knife when he was reporting on the Portland riots. This is back in 2020, folks. That trial finally came to fruition from 2020. The alleged Antifa member, the Blaze reports here, was given probation. Blake Hampy, 46, was caught on video stabbing Andrew Duncombe, 28, near a federal courthouse after 2.30 a.m. This is a fish wrap story, citing court documents. Multnomah County Circuit Judge Heidi Moad said late last month, Hill Hampy will remain under her supervision for three years and is banned from possessing weapons or participating in lawful assemblies or riots during the time. But that he may attend lawful demonstrations. He pled guilty to attempted second degree assault under the terms of the deal. Oh, and this guy, Hampy, the guy who stabbed, which, I mean, isn't that attempted murder? Stabbing someone with a knife? This same guy was convicted of possessing child porn in federal court in Maine in 08. So what is the future of the city of Portland or any other city, like maybe Salem, or Eugene, or Bend, if George Soros-funded DAs or police departments 
don't aggressively enforce the law. Now, we're blessed, at least in Marion County, to have Paige Clarkson, who does, and her team go after the bad guys. It's a different world down here than Portland. You can get away with this stuff in Portland, but I'm telling you, folks, what message does it send to the lawless people out there? When you can attempt, I mean, when you stab somebody with a knife, what are you doing? What's your intent? You're trying to kill someone. It's called attempted murder. And you get away on a plea deal with second-degree assault. Now, why would a prosecutor agree, a DA, to second-degree assault instead of murder, attempted murder? Because you're a leftist prosecutor. So apparently, according to the Andy No trial result, rioters are still being excused by juries in Portland for physically assaulting Andy No on video and causing him physical harm. It's okay. Put him in hospital. It's okay. You can stab. You can try to kill a black conservative journalist. And yeah, you just, you plea it down. You know, you're, you're going to get probation. Attempted murder. Probation. Does this mean that Portland will remain lawless? Who would want to continue to invest? Especially in downtown Portland under these circumstances? Because what's going to change? Well, nothing's going to change until you get a different DA. Nothing will change until you get a different mayor and a different city council. There's a piece written by former uh, editor of the Statesman Journal, Dick Hughes. This is um, in the Oregon Watchdog today. Dick writes this, and believe me, Dick's a polished, well-established liberal. I've gone head-to-head with Dick over the years when I was in the legislature. Nice guy. I do do enjoy conversations with him, but he's always going to be a leftist, and that's who he is. He writes this interesting piece today. Tina Kotek is keeping her promises, but he asked sort of astonishingly, Why is she so unpopular? You know, she's gone all around the state keeping her campaign promises, listening to people. She's focused on housing and homelessness and behavioral health and substance abuse treatment and schools and early learning. Those are all warm and fuzzy things. Except they're not. They're leftist ideas, the way she wants to implement them. Dick writes, the East Oregonian newspaper recently editorialized, Kotek didn't secure a groundswell of support in Eastern Oregon when she ran for office. And while that was expected, her recent willingness to journey into our region deserves at least some credit from even the most diehard right-wing advocates. Well, well, why is this? It's because who she is. She still has the lowest approval reading of all the governors in America, folks. 
only 45% of Oregon voters approve of her job performance. But it is an increase in how bad it was from the previous poll. Why? Why is it? Could it have anything to do with the fact that she, and Dick acknowledges this, Tina Kotek is, well, he says she's not exactly a carbon copy of Kate Brown. She's just as progressive, he writes, as Kate Brown, perhaps going even further. There you go. You see, Tina Kotek is Kate Brown on crack, folks. Twice she's unpopular, and people are smart enough to figure that out. Now, does that mean they're going to vote for conservatives? No, it doesn't. Because conservatives are inept at messaging anything. Thank you, Tim Canope and Vicki Brees Iverson for selling us out on a bill that should have galvanized swing voters in this state and moved them dramatically our way to conservatism. But you guys blew it. Got bought off. Just go look at all the wild spending. Oh, speaking of that, the capital construction, it's $90 million over, and they didn't even over cost and over budget. Didn't even have a hearing on it. Call Jeff now at 503-589-1220. That's 503-589-1220. Let's return now to more of Political Coffee with Jeff Krupp. We're back. Great to be with you. It's uh, 22 minutes past the top of the hour. Mark Thielman joins us at the bottom of the hour to Uh, to talk about what I think is some incredibly powerfully good news for those of us who believe in in election integrity. So stay tuned for that. Hey, want to thank My Power Honda for being one of our sponsors of this show. Go to their website, mypowerhonda.com. It's all one word, mypowerhonda.com. They're down in Albany. They're part of the great Power Auto Grip, that is, and sponsors our talk line, our call-in talk line, which is 503-589-1220. That's the Power Buick GMC talk line, 503-589-1220. They're also a great dealership that provides you with not only new Honda vehicles. In fact, if you go to their website, mypowerhonda.com, you'll see that 881 vehicles are available today. Now, they've got somebody like Jake is online this morning to chat with you if you're interested. They also have pre-owned certified vehicles. So no matter what you're looking for, you're looking for another vehicle, why don't you just give Power Honda down in Albany a shot? In fact, you could just text Jake right now. You go to mypowerhonda.com and a chat box pops up. And there's Jake. Mypowerhonda.com. 
Folks, don't know if you saw, but did you watch Trump's speech from New Hampshire? It was inside this auditorium, and they turned off the air conditioning. <laughs> um, you know, the governor of New Hampshire hates Trump. I just wonder. Oh, the air conditioning doesn't work all of a sudden. Trump was sweating like you wouldn't believe, but he, he stuck it out. So did everybody else that was there. You couldn't get in. There's that many people. Doesn't matter that he gets indicted. People show up. He pledged to help veterans. It was at least in part, this entire appearance in New Hampshire yesterday was all about veterans. I'm telling you folks, the man connects with people unlike anybody I have ever seen. The U.S. Supreme Court sadly allowed at least for the moment, temporarily, and thank you, um, Jim, for sending this to me, temporarily upheld Joe Biden's regulation on, quote-unquote, ghost guns. They can temporarily continue its crackdown. Hasn't been heard on its full merits, it will be. So we'll see. Five to four vote. Amy Coney Barrett sided with Chief Justice, the traitor, John Roberts, and the liberals of the court. They say, well, we should, we should let it play out. We should hear the entire case on its merit. Folks, it's clearly unconstitutional, but that doesn't matter. And put all your faith and trust by the way, there's another story. Senators who violated the walkout ban can't file for re-election, says the Secretary of State. Well, they're going to take that to court, 10 of them. Under the plain language of the bill, yeah, it doesn't matter what the voters intended, Madam Secretary of State. It's the actual language of the law. That matters. So they're going to take it to court, of course. They might as well file in federal court because filing in state court is a joke. Because they're all appointed. And the Oregon Supreme Court, by Kate Brown, they're all liberal leftists, every one of them. Otherwise, she wouldn't have appointed them, folks. At any rate, 503-589-1220 is the power of Buick GMC talk lines. Go to Tim. Tim, good morning. Hi, Jeff. I have, uh, uh, I guess, kind of a strategy. Since the Republican Party has a problem with messaging, and Mark doesn't, and he's doing a service for the country, I'm going to take some of the money that I would give the Republican Party and give it to Mike. Well, I agree. I think that that makes a lot of sense because... Quite frankly, people like Mark Thielman and others who understand the power of winning public opinion in the public square, understand that power, are the people that we ought to be giving our, not just our money to, Tim, but our time and our energy to. I have no confidence in Tim Canope. First of all, he's a liar, number one, and I, yes, I'm saying that. He's a liar because he says that well, parents' rights are restored in House Bill 2. No, they're not. Read the plain language of the bill, Tim. 
you know it. In fact, other legislators noted it also, which is why they remained walked out. So, Tim, you make a great point. How do people do that? How do they do it? Yeah. How do people support people and uh, candidates who get it and understand how to message, how to win hearts and minds? I'm sorry, Jeff. I, I guess I don't understand the question. I mean, outside well, it's, of, it's uh, one thing to, to, to give money. But is money as important as it is in the support that you can give a candidate who gets it and who understands? I can do it with my uh, uh, group of people that I can influence. There you go. That's it. That's the power you have, Tim, and you're very good at it, by the way. Tim gets it. You can change your world. You can help candidates by influencing others in your world to support those candidates, like school board members. The battle is culture. Speaking of that, Mark Thielman joins us here a couple of minutes away. Jeff now at 503-589-1220. That's 503-589-1220. Let's return now to more of Political Coffee with Jeff Krupp. Good morning. 24 minutes before the top of the hour. In a moment, we're going to chat with our friend Mark Thielman on these incredibly important news he has on his federal lawsuit, and he shared that with our group at the Political Coffee Clatch last night, the Honky Tonk. You know, you really should come and visit with us. We had like 50 people there last night. That's pretty good for a radio show audience, and I'm grateful to each of you who take some time to show up, and I hope you find something valuable out of it, truly. Because you can use what you learn in the interactions at the Political Coffee Clatch to change your world, folks. That's the whole reason I do this radio show. There's no other reason for me to get up at four o'clock in the morning to go do this. Except you and I, we are the answer to preserving our liberty and to preserving this great constitutional republic. It's up to us. You can't trust the politicians. You can't trust Tim Kinnope and Vicki Breeze Iverson at all. Because they've demonstrated time and time again, they can be bought off. No, thank you. But somebody you should thank for keeping you cool in the 100-degree temperatures coming. It's freedom, heating, and air. They can make your life really pleasant inside your home or your business. In case it isn't, if your system is failing and you know it, the hot days are coming. Get ahead of it. Don't procrastinate. Call them. They'll come out and they'll fix it right away. 503-580-1456. 503-580-1456. Now, I've been saving this piece. Remember yesterday I alluded to this. We talked about it at Honky Tonk last night about this big gateway pundit story. Exclusive absolute proof. A Michigan State Police report from the 2020 election about 
ballot fraud and the Secretary of State of Michigan acknowledging that there was clearly fraudulent signatures. All of this was a, an F, it was, was, a, was given to the FBI and nothing happened. Zero. Nobody got arrested. Nobody got prosecuted. Well, there's a follow-on story about that today, about the quote-unquote company, GBI strategies behind all of this. The director is a guy by the name of Gary Bell. He claims he had 70 organizations operating in 20 states in 2020. And tied to the Joe Biden campaign. That was paid millions and millions of dollars. Joining us to talk about all of that, voter integrity, is Mark Thielman. Mark, good morning. What was the powerful news you shared with us last night at the Political Coffee Clash? Well, last night we had an opportunity to... uh to break the news with your group, by the way, a wonderful group, and it was packed. There was more than 50, just so people know. It was a great night. <laughs> but uh, we, uh, so for our uh, election integrity case, obviously, you know, our case is about voter confidence and that we have to have confidence in the vote and that the behavior of the government and the way they structure the election has to maintain that confidence, both for the winning side and the losing side in any election, so that both sides can say, that the election was fair and it was secure and it was transparent and the results are the results and we all accept them. And, uh, as you know, we went to a federal court and that case was dismissed. We immediately appealed that case and we did something the government didn't expect. We applied for expedited, um, uh, schedule through the ninth circuit. So an expedited appeal. And we were granted that appeal, which is a big victory. It's a big win. The government chose not to contest that, um, uh, expedited schedule for fear that if they did, obviously, Jeff, you know, the, what are they going to do? That looks like they have something to hide. So uh, even the government agreed it's a miracle. It's one of those minor miracles that we appreciate. So we are back in court. We filed last or, uh, on uh, Monday night, uh, just before midnight, we filed our brief. And what, what people, uh, what I want people to understand is that the, the court has an obligation, whether they dismiss the case or not, to address the central premise of the case. So we have our yes. plaintiffs are alleging, our plaintiffs are alleging that the, the structure of Oregon's mail-in ballot system is not what we're being told it is. That it's not secure and it's it's causing a crisis of confidence. Where uh, the plaintiffs allege that they no longer have confidence in their vote, and that's a that's a powerful thing. We have to have confidence in banking. We have, we have to we have to raise the debt ceiling so that people don't lose confidence in the dollar. I mean. Um, you know, it's, it's a big, it's a big issue in national news, but somehow it doesn't apply to elections, but our case says it does. And so the ninth circuit picked up the case on an expedited, uh, schedule because the justices in the ninth circuit, as liberal as they are, recognize that there's a potential constitutional question. And that's what's really exciting about this. So, um, I gave some details at the, at the honky tonk obviously, and uh, talking about how the Judge Beckerman, who dismissed the case, she cited examples, press the court precedences, uh, Supreme Court and then one in the Second Circuit Court, uh, none of which addressed voter confidence. And that's the big deal of this, because the, the Ninth Circuit is very interested in hearing uh, reading our brief and going through this process. Now, the, like I told the folks in the honky talk, whether we win in the Ninth Circuit or whether we lose in the Ninth Circuit, it doesn't matter. Our goal is to get to the U.S. Supreme Court. 
And, uh, you know, we're well, yeah, we're well on our way to, to doing that, to accomplishing that. I'm very excited about it. Uh, you know, if we win in the ninth circuit, obviously the government will appeal to the U S Supreme court. And if the Supreme court doesn't pick that up, then the, the ruling would stand. If we lose, we go to the Supreme court. If they pick it up, obviously we're going to have a big, big national constitutional question, uh, concerning elections. Now, a Supreme Court ruling saying that governments must maintain confidence of the people in the vote, that that would be a national, uh, have a national impact that goes even more, even way beyond the Michigan thing. The Michigan thing is great because it's it basically says 2,000 Mules documentary is, is legit. That's basically what it says because that's the process that, that this uh, entity just, uh, was using in, in 20 states to defraud the vote. So uh, the dam is breaking. I'm excited about the outcome. And I really want to encourage people to uh, continue to support this lawsuit and, uh, and, and battlegroundoregon.org, which is the organization that uh, you know, I, I'm the executive director of that is uh, funding it and pushing it. Folks, you can go to battlegroundoregon.org and you can read the lawsuit. You can learn about it. I mean, you can literally read... Uh, the actual transcripts, mm-hmm. oral argument, and then read the, I mean, the argument is one thing. Oral argument is one thing. Because you get what, what you may not know is that even though you can read the actual lawsuit, okay, it's different than the oral argument. An oral argument, you're just arguing the basics of why you're suing. You're not arguing so much the merits. And based on that, a judge decides, and in this case, Mark, the Judge Beckerman decided to dismiss the lawsuit because, quote, unquote, didn't have standing. But the key thing that you shared last night is that this doesn't, that the judge did, in dismissing the lawsuit, did not address the central premise of your lawsuit. And the central premise of your lawsuit is based on a prior U.S. Supreme Court ruling, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's uh, Brown versus Board of Education of Topeka, Kansas, 1954. It's a obviously a landmark case in the 20th century that ended uh, uh, separate but equal or segregation in the South. And uh, so it's a powerful precedent. Uh, ironically, she never mentioned that in her dis- her dismissal, uh, uh, you know, uh, opinion. And uh, that's a big deal. Uh, it shows that the government is nervous about this, and they they genuinely are. And because if, if, if we get traction on this, if this becomes a Supreme Court case, it's going to it's going to redefine the structure of elections moving forward um, in, into the future. And in my opinion, it will go a, a long way to leveling the playing field so that we can get away from all this malarkey that we've been um, uh, distracted by and back to just, you know, electing good leaders and, and hopefully, uh, you know, who will hopefully run the country fairly and equitably and, and sanely. Uh, without a two-tiered system of justice like we're seeing now. So how soon do you think, even though this has been expedited, what does that really mean? How soon does this get in front of the Ninth Circuit? And is it is it an en banc three-person panel, I would assume, as opposed to the entire Ninth Circuit? Yeah, it starts in the three-person panels, and then uh, you know eventually it can go to the all nine um uh, for for the court of appeal, the full court of appeals, uh, that's the process. But uh, we're, we're right now we have a schedule. If everything goes the way we uh, 
way they've agreed that it'll go, uh, we will be through the Ninth Circuit by the end of October, which is like lightning speed. That's incredibly and, uh, fast. So why why did the state of Oregon agree to this? Well, you got to put yourself in their shoes. They sat in court and squirmed and were very concerned. We had a good day in court, even though it led, you know, we, the judge ruled against us. And uh, so they're very well aware of the potential because uh, everyone wants to have confidence in their vote. Everyone wants their vote to matter. And it's a First Amendment right, the right to vote. It's a, it's a form of free speech. It's fundamental. And um, you can't just water it down and say, well, everybody has the right to free speech. Uh, it doesn't work that way, is that individuals have to gauge their own impact. So, so this is a powerful opportunity, and um, I'm hoping for good outcome. Mark, thanks so much for joining us today, and thank you for the great work you're doing, folks. Continue to help him fund this lawsuit. It's powerful. It's important. Go to battlegroundoregon.org and please make a donation. Mark, thanks so much. Godspeed, friend. Yeah. Thank you, Jeff. 648, back in a moment. Call Jeff now at 503-589-1220. That's 503-589-1220. Let's return now to more of Political Coffee with Jeff Krupp. We are back 10 minutes till the top of the hour. Great to have you with us. 503-589-1220 is the Power Buick GMC talk line. And we, um, want to, again, welcome one of our newest, and I say newest because Friday I should have just a great, um, announcement to make about our new sponsor. Another new sponsor. Yesterday we shared with you, I just need to find it here. Somehow, you know, I just hate it when I misplace things. You know that? Don't you hate it when you do that? <sighs> oh, well. <laughs> By the way, Petunia is getting ready to write again. Today's the last day. If you have petitions, I need to remind you of this. Last night we had some folks, my buddy Lee brought petitions to the Honky Tonk at the Political Coffee Clatch. Um, he brought them because he was out gathering signatures until the last minute. And if you're doing that today to put the Salem income tax to a vote of the people, let the people vote. If you're doing that today, You've got to drop them by. I would urge you to do it this morning. You could drop them off at the ballot drop box at OBI headquarters. These are the folks behind the petition, Oregon Business and Industry. They're right across from the Justice Department on Court Street, which is basically at the east end of the Capitol. Can't miss it. It's right there. They got a ballot drop off box. Thanks to Curtis Grubbs, who dropped off some petitions there last night on my behalf. 
Thank you, Curtis. Well, Petunia, the pink pig that I used to drive around the state with, well, she's all cleaned up and ready to go. Well, almost ready to go. Thanks to Mark Cosby and his buddy from Eugene who drove up to my farm yesterday and got her all purdied up. I put a picture of her up in front of the group last night at the Political Coffee Clutch because she's going to be active. It's my guess. And what I'm doing also is I'm asking some of you in the audience who have time to dive into budgets. And two or three of you said yes last night that you would. Dive into the city of Salem budget and specifically the budget areas that the city of Salem says, well, we got to put this $506 per year average tax on people who work in Salem, even if they don't live in Salem and they can't vote in Salem, we're going we're gonna to hit you with a tax. Why? Because we need to pay for homeless services. We need to pay for more cops and firefighters, more parks. So I'm asking people to go look into those budgets to see, well, first of all, have they been transferring and moving money around? Because that is a time-honored tactic of bureaucracies to say, hey, we don't have enough money. Funny how they do that, isn't it? Because they do that. Happens all the time, folks. Believe me. Happens all the time. Linda writes an email about Justice Amy Coney Barrett. By the way, you want to send an email? It's jeff at 1220.am or jeff at kslm.news. I will do my best to read it on the air. We've got about three or four minutes left in the show. You can call 503-589-1220 is the power of Buick GMC talk line. She writes, I heard the perfect description of Amy Coney Barrett. This person pegged her early on and described her as a typical subservient personality. And I believe that she is subservient to John Roberts. I hope not. But I think you're right. Roberts is a traitor to the Constitution and cannot be trusted, folks. Lee writes an email said, hope, okay, for those who think Oregon is a lost cause, I would like them to watch the movie The Essential Church and compare that with what Mark Thielman is doing. Smart, calculated political chess that gives hope for us all. Because wherever you go, the problem is still there. Bravo, Mr. Thielman. That's exactly right. Bravo. Mr. Thielman, I want to welcome again PacWest Lobby Group. They're one of our newest sponsors. Friday, I'll announce to you another new sponsor, somebody whose name you know and that I hope will be beneficial to you and them because they stand with us in the cause of liberty and preserving our Constitution Republic. PacWest Lobby Group can help you, folks, if you have a problem with government, city, county, State, federal, pwlobby.com. That is their website, pwlobby.com. They talk about their values, code of ethics, supporting employees and giving back. Then they talk about their team. And there's a bunch of them, including my old buddy, Rick Metzger, former state senator, Democrat, kind of a moderate who um, I, I've got lots of stories to tell about Rick, and he has some to tell about me. Uh, 
And no doubt I will have him on the show at some point. At any rate, folks, um, pwlobby.com, pwlobby.com, if you're looking for someone to help you with an issue with government at all levels, check them out. They can do that. Now, another email from Rich. The Republican Party is too conservative? He says, I must disagree with you on a minor point. I don't see the GOP as conservative. You are assuming that GOP is conservative. I am not seeing that. A conservative group is smart enough to change to win. And they would not have lost all these years here in Oregon. A group that keeps doing everything to stay in second place and just keeps, just wants to get along with the opposition is a strange group. Maybe they are the Republican Party. I talk to younger non-affiliated voters that are much more active and conservative than the GOP. So I must ask you not to belittle the conservatives as they may feel slighted by that remark. <laughs> Laugh out loud. All right, Rich, fair point. The Republican Party as a whole is not conservative. Let's just be honest. They're just not. Now, what they are is the uniparty, traditionally. Now, there are parts of the Republican Party in Oregon that are conservative. There are counties that are more the Republican Party conservatives that are much more conservative than others. Okay, there are counties in the party. And then there are groups within counties. One of them was joining us last night. That was Matt Wyant from Lynn County, my neck of the woods. They have a candidate... Um, support committee. They're separate arm of a kind of independent of the Lynn County Republican Party. They go out and they raise money and they find sign locations and they help identify conservative candidates who want to run for public office. So I get it. You're right. Doug asked a good question. Why aren't Antifa members not in jail? Uh, not a good read that, and if you don't like it, uh, it boils down to who got elected as the mayor and the city council and the Soros DA back. Dead home,